Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahirrabbilalamin. Wassalatu wassalamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursalin. Nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Amma ba'd. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Allahumma anfa'na bima alamtana wa'allimna ma yanfa'una. Warzuqna ilman tanfa'una bih. Amin ya rabbal alamin. So alhamdulillah we continue tonight with Buluhul Maram with Kitab of Salah, right? We are busy with the book of Salah, the chapter still of Mawaqeet of Salah, right? We are dealing with the, the chapter which is the, the time zones of Salah. So we continue on with the next hadith which is narrated from Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhu who said, قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا اشتد الحر فأبردوا بالصلاة فإن شدة الحر من فيح جهنم متفق عليه The hadith says that إذا اشتد الحر when it becomes extremely hot when it becomes extremely like scorching hot فأبردوا بالصلاة then cool down through your salah Right, that's the, if you could give it a literal translation, then this is the translation I could come up with, well, that I am coming up with. What exactly does this mean? The word barada yabrudu is to, to cool down. Abrada is to cause something to cool down. So the hadith says abridu, which means go, you know, cool yourself down, or go get yourselves cooled down by your salah. By your salah. What does this mean? The ulama, of course, will interpret and, and explain it to us, right? When it becomes extremely hot, what time, which salah is it, is the, is the dhuhr? It's, it's the hottest at the time of, of dhuhr. So what the hadith is saying is, when it gets to dhuhr salah, and it's extremely hot, what should you do? You should delay your salah. Delay the dhuhr salah. Until it cools down. Abridu. Until the, the weather cools down. So what's meant by salah here is salatul dhuhr. Right? So, abridu bi salah. Wait till it cools down for your salah. Yani for salatul dhuhr. When it is extremely, uh, extremely hot. فَإِنَّ شِدَّةَ الْحَرِّ مِنْ فَيْحِ جَهَنَّمِ The Prophet then said, for the, the severe heat, it comes from the Fayhi Jahannam. It could mean the flames or the, the heat of, of Jahannam. That severe heat that we experience, it comes from where? From the heat of, or the flames or the fire of, of Jahannam. And this hadith is muttafaqun alayhi. So Ibn Uthaymin explains this part and he says that the fire of Jahannam, it complained to Allah Azza wa Jal. And so Allah gave it permission to have two breaths. The first breath was in, is, is when? In summer. And the second breath is in, in winter. So that extreme heat that you experience in summer, it comes from that, that breath of Jahannam. From that fire of Jahannam, from the flames, or from the, the severe scorching heat from Jahannam. It reaches us right over here. And that extreme coldness that we experience in, in winter, it also comes from the, the other the breath of, of Jahannam. This is a hadith that is mentioned in Bukhari and Muslim. So 
So Ibn Uthaymi says, yes, even though we know it comes from natural causes as well, you study, you know, uh, the weather and so forth, there are reasons for heat and there are reasons for cold and rotation of the earth and all of those things, that, that is in its place and we accept that. But over and above that we also accept the fact that the Prophet said this, no weather man can explain this to us, no weather man can prove this to us, but of course we believe it becomes because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that's what he stated and we have no doubt in that which he stated. So from the benefits of this hadith, the benefits of this hadith is that we are allowed to delay dhuhr if it's extremely hot. Right? If it's extremely hot, you can delay your dhuhr salah. Uh, is this fard? Is this sunnah? Is it recommended? Is this a concession? So we say that it depends on the situation. It depends on your situation. If it's going to be so hot that you will not be able to focus in the salah, there will be no khushru' in your salah, then to allow that coolness to take place, to delay the door salah is wajib. Because to have khushru' is, is wajib. Khushru' is not optional, it's actually fard. So if that heat is going to disturb your salah so much, right, then we say delay the salah is actually fard upon you. So that when you make salah, you can make salah with, with khushur. Understand this point, right? But if it's not that bad and you can still pray with khushur, then we say it's recommended to, to delay, right? Because it's still hot, it's still difficult, but it's not that difficult that your khushur will, will, will disappear. In this case, we say it's mustahab, it's recommended. But if you made salah on time, no problem. If you made salah when it was extremely hot with no khushu' on time, you could be sinful for that. Because, what? You did not delay when you could have delayed and you could have made salah with khushu'. Is what I'm saying clear here? Is this understood? Tayyib. Is this for a traveler only or for a resident? Or for both? We say this is definitely for both. This hadith doesn't mention a traveler or, or a resident. So we say it applies to, it applies to both. In fact, regarding the traveler, there's a specific hadith. When the Prophet Sallam, uh, when they were on travel, and Bilal radiallahu anhu, he stood up to give the adhan. The Prophet said to him, abrid. Like delay. But again comes from that word, abrid, which means, which means what? Cool down. Yani let it calm down, let, let things cool down. And he stood up again later on and he wanted to give the adhan. He said to him again, Abrid. And the third time, the same thing. Right? In this hadith in Bukhari. Until they saw the Fayatulul, which is uh, when the sun يعني, is far past the Zawal, far past the meridian. Meaning it's getting close to Asr already. Until that period, he allowed what? A wait. Let's wait. Calm down. Let it cool down. Let it cool down. Let it cool down. Until Fayyat Tulul, which means it was nearly Asr. Far past the Zawal. The sun is past that meridian already. Right? Getting to the end of the time of Dhuhr. Then he allowed Bilal to stand up and give the Adhan and they pray Dhuhr. Because obviously you have to make it in the, in the Waqt. Within the, the Waqt.
طيب um, so what does this mean does this mean you delay dhuhr for 10 minutes 5 minutes is this part of this hadith you should is this part of ibrad yani dhuhr starts let's say at 1 o'clock in our city it's generally around 1 o'clock right so if it's extreme let's say one day is 50 degrees we're in the masjid or wherever we are there's no acorns and it's difficult to make salah so we say delay the salah does this mean you delay till half past one it doesn't make sense because it will still be extremely hot you got to delay it till past three till four o'clock for example if there's still time depending on asr and so until it cools down until it cools down and now we stand up and we and we make salah now we stand up and we make salah if it's an extreme case where it's still extremely hot there's no khushu possible right then perhaps you could make jam you could delay it to eat right and petal until asr but allah knows best but for now we say what allow the cooling down to take place and pray within the waqt pray with within the waqt before asr yani 20 minutes 15 minutes half an hour before asr you go and you pray your dhuhr and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best there is another hadith of Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu where the Sahaba mentioned that they, used to, that they prayed with the Prophet one day and it was so hot that they were unable to put their heads on the ground. When they made sujood, it was so hot, the floor was so hot that they, were, that they found difficulty putting their heads on the ground and sitting on the ground and so forth. Understand this? So how do we combine that hadith with this hadith? There's a slight contradiction here. They didn't allow it to cool down. Ibn Uthaymin says, this hadith came afterwards. So initially they used to pray through the heat. Now what happened later on was, don't pray through the heat. Rather stay inside, let it cool down first. And then you go out and, and you make salah. I remember on Hajj, one year, Sheikh uh, Yasin was actually with me that Hajj, and we were sitting in the tents of Mina, in the days of Tashriq. And it was extremely hot. It was 50, must be 50 degrees or so. And for Dhuhr, it was, you know, there's no acorns in there. And we did not have wudu. So to get to the wudu area, you got to get out your tent, walk through the sun a little bit, get to the area, stand in the sun, take wudu with piping hot water, and get back. So what did we do? We applied this hadith and we stayed in the tent. We did not go out and make the, the Dhuhr Salah. On time, we delayed the salah right up until the end. Um, so we applied this hadith on that day. So I think in our situation, generally in Cape Town, doesn't get that hot. And secondly, we have vehicles, we have aircons, and so forth, which if it's on, we can make salah with ease, and there's no need to necessarily delay. But it may happen in your life, depending where you are. Like I said, if you're in Mecca, if you're in uh, on Hajj. Even if you want to camp somewhere, for example, if this happens, uh, then we know what to do. Alhamdulillah. What about the opposite? What if it's extremely cold? Okay. What if he wakes up for Salatul Fajr? Fajr. He wakes up for Fajr. Um, and he takes a ghusl. He has to take a ghusl. So he takes a ghusl, right? 
after the ghusl, it's extremely cold. Does he go out and make salah immediately or does he allow himself to warm up? He can allow himself to. Same, the same reasoning basically. The same reasoning we can apply. Because of the khushu' factor. Because of the khushu' factor. If it means you delay that fajr to the end of the waqt, this is also okay if there's a need for that in terms of one's uh, protecting one's khushu' in terms of protecting one's khushu' uh, and Allah knows best. Any questions on this hadith? The next hadith is narrated by Rafi' ibn Khadijin radiallahu anhu who said Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Asbihu bisubhi fa'innahu a'zamu li'ujurikum rawahu al-khamsatu wa sahahahu al-tirmidhi wa ibn Hibban Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam I said in this hadith Asbihu bisubhi Asbihu bisubhi Allow yourself to reach the morning through your salatu subh Asbihu, which means you reach the morning time via your salatu subh For verily this is more rewarding for you. This is greater in reward for you. What is meant by this statement? Reach the morning by your salatu subh In the waqt. Okay, perfect. That's the one view of the ulama. They say, make salatu subh or don't make salatu subh until you are Certain that the waqt has entered until it's officially morning. It's not yet, it's not night time still. Because remember, this is Fajr. We explained last week about Fajr, Sadiq, and Fajr, Kadib, the false dawn. Right about the horizon and the line going up. And the, understand? We explain the difference. So, in that case, some ulama said in this hadith, it means allow yourself to reach the morning first. Let subh come in and then you pray salatu subh. Understand this? Other ulama said, no, that's not necessarily what is meant by the hadith. What's meant by the hadith is, recite long in your subh. So when you are making salatu subh, elongate your recitation. Right? Such that you enter into the morning period. So when you started, because in another hadith it said, asfiru bi subh. Asfiru, which means um, pray until the sky becomes yellow. Meaning until it starts to light up. So we know we start, we start subah, it's still dark in the sky, right? We explained last week a hadith as well with the, with the Sahaba. We used to make salah and we couldn't see one another. Because it was dark, early hours of the morning. They didn't have lights and things like we have. So when they prayed outside, it was just... Stars above them, huh? and they couldn't see one another. Maybe the person right next to them they could see, but further down the row, two rows in front of them, two rows behind them, they couldn't see who was standing where. Huh? We explain that hadith. Until after the salah, the person would turn around, and then they could move around, remember? And then they could see who was sitting where. Because why? By the end of the salah, the sky was like the sun, yani the effects of the sunrise started already. So this, in another narration it says, Pray subh until the sun becomes, or until the sky becomes yellow. Till it starts to get bright and, and, and lights, lights up. So, they interpreted this hadith with that, which means, Pray your subh and lengthen the qira'ah. 
lengthen your recitation in salah to subh such that when you end the salah the, the sky has already been lit up somewhat right so this is another interpretation of the hadith right which which interpretation do you agree with the first or the second both is both is correct that we can apply both to this hadith no problem but the second one definitely is more uh, yani it's stronger slightly stronger but the first opinion uh, we can say is both authentic right both of them are authentic uh, but i would say specifically for this hadith the second one is uh, yani it's it's more of a zahir it's more apparent in terms of the meaning right طيب um main benefit from this is don't pray before the time huh pray when you know it's salat subh and secondly again the sunnah is to recite huh with a lengthy recitation in salat subh as we mentioned the ayah in the quran al-fajri kana mashhuda that qira'a the quran of fajr meaning the recitation of fajr is something which is witnessed it's witnessed by the malaika and so forth meaning lengthen your recitation in salat fajr the next hadith is from Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhu. May Allah be pleased with him. Anna nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal. That the Prophet said, Man adraka min al-subhi raka'atan qabla an tatlu'a al-shamsu faqad adraka al-subha. Whosoever catches one of the a raka'ah. Whosoever catches a raka'ah from subh. Then, or before the sun rises, from before the sun rises, then he has caught subh. Then he has caught salatu subh. وَمَنْ أَدْرَكَ رَكْعَةً مِنَ الْعَصْرِ قَبْلَ أَنْ تَغْرُبَ الشَّمْسُ فَقَدْ أَدْرَكَ الْعَصْرَ مُتَّفَقٌ عَلَيْهِ And whoever catches a rak'ah from asr, of salatu al-asr, before the sun sits, فَقَدْ أَدْرَكَ الْعَصْرَ Then he has caught the salat of, of asr. Understand this? Hadith is in Bukhari and Muslim. Hadith is in uh, Bukhari and Muslim Muttafaqun alay Agreed upon Tayyib And this is a very important hadith This is a very important hadith And an important uh, thing to understand Important mas'ala to understand So Man adraka min al-subhi raka'atan Whoever catches a raka'ah Which means a What's a raka'ah? A unit right? One unit of the salah So subh we say two units Dhur, and so forth, right? One unit of the salah, then he has, uh, whoever catches this, meaning, he prays one raka'ah before the sun rises. So we know fajr, we explain the time of fajr. It comes in and it lasts until the sun starts to, starts to rise, right? Up until then, fajr is, is valid. So if you made salah within that period and you only managed to make one rak'ah. So as you finish the rak'ah, the sun came up, started to come up. So the time for subuh is over, right? So you're only halfway through subuh. You managed to get one unit in. You understand? This is what the hadith is basically um, speaking about. Qabla an shams. Right? Before... The sun rises. What's meant by the sunrise here? Before the top of the sun. Right? The disc. The sun is obviously a disc. The top part of the sun. 
the top of the of the ball of the disk of the sun, right? Before that comes up. Once that comes up, Fajr is Fajr is over. The whole sun doesn't have to come up. Once the top of that sun comes up, Fajr is then Fajr is then over. Right? Understand this? فَقَدْ أَدْرَكَ الصَّلَاءُ وَفَقَدْ أَدْرَكَ But So the person who got that one unit in before that top of that disc came up, he has actually got the whole of the salah. The hadith says he has caught the whole of the, the whole of subh. فَقَدْ أَدْرَكَ Meaning the whole of subh is still valid. So once the sun starts to come up and you're still praying, you continue praying. Right? You don't have to stop. Oh no, the sun's come up or it's the time now for sunrise. Now you continue praying because you have basically achieved the entire salah. And the same was said for Asr. The end of the hadith speaks about Asr. Meaning, whoever prays one raka'ah of Asr. Before the sun sets. Before the sun sets. Because Asr lasts until when? Until Maghrib. Until sunset. When does Maghrib start? When the entire sun sets, correct? When the top of the sun is gone below the horizon. Then Maghrib is in. So which means, when the top of the sun, when the top of the sun dips below the horizon, that's Maghrib. So you have up until that moment to get one raka'ah of Asr in to achieve the Salatul Asr, to catch the waqt of Asr. Understand this? So if this, let's say it's two minutes before Maghrib, you start to pray Allahu Akbar, and you just manage to get one raka'ah in of Asr. Huh? And then you hear the adhan going for Maghrib. You still got three raka'ah to go. You continue the salah. Alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah, Allah has made it such that you have caught the waqt of Asr in time. Ada'an and qada'an. You are on time and you are not late. You are not considered as someone who is making qada salah. Understand this point? Yes? When you haven't achieved a rak'ah yet. I would say you complete the salah. You complete the salah either way. You complete the salah either way. And if you were lazy, then you have to make tawbah. Whether your salah is accepted, that's another issue. That's another issue because now it's the qada. And qada without a reason, usually we say is not accepted. But in that case, I would say just complete the salah and make tawbah because you were being lazy or you were not you know, giving importance to the salah. If you woke up and there's a minute left, right? You ran, you took wudu in 10 seconds, you jumped on the musalla and you say, and if walad dalin amin, you hear the adhan going off. You missed it. But you were late because you overslept. It's an accident. In that case, you complete. Because you have an excuse, which is that you genuinely overslept. The difference between oversleeping and genuinely oversleeping. You know the difference, right? Some people oversleep and it's like, ah, oh, missed fajr, I overslept. But they never made an effort to actually get up. You know what I mean? There's an alarm on, but they put the alarm off every morning and they sleep on. They don't make any other effort to actually get up. That's oversleeping, but it's not a genuine oversleep. 
That's like a purposefully oversleeping. And Allah knows. Allah knows obviously who's sincere and who is playing with the deen. So if there's a, in, an excuse, let's say you completely forgot. You were so busy, in the back of your mind you thought you made asr. But on the last minute you realize, hey, I didn't make asr. And you rush and you, you miss it. But because of the excuse, you are excused by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it depends on the situation. But I would say either way, just complete the salah. You're already on the musallah, complete the salah. And if you're purposeful, make tawbah and take it as a lesson. Uh, be, take it as a lesson. Right? The, the, uh, I think the hadith says, whoever misses salatul asr, then it's, it's, it would have been better for him to have lost his entire family. He would have lost his entire family, it would have been better for him than losing salatul asr. Subhanallah. Tayyib. The next issue we have to talk about is what is considered a rak'ah. The hadith mentions, Man adraka rak'atan. Whoever catches a rak'ah of subh or a rak'ah of asr. But what is a rak'ah? Is a ruku rak'ah? What is a rak'ah? This is the question Ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah he says, A rak'atul kamila bisajdatayha. A complete rak, a unit of prayer is what? A complete unit of prayer is with its two prostrations, with its two sajdas, with its two sajdas. Because in another narration of the hadith, or in another hadith rather, it says sajda, not rak'ah. It says what? Sajda and not rak'ah. Right? In another hadith it says Sajda Which means that You have to catch The first and the second Sujood You have to catch the first and the second Sujood of the first unit And then we can say You achieve the, the first unit Of the salah or the one unit of the Salah and then he says, وَلَيْسَ الْمُرَادُ بِالرَّكْعَةِ فِي الْحَدِيثِ الْرُكُورِ The hadith, when it says rak'ah, it doesn't mean the ruku'. It means the two sajdas. Which means what? If we want to catch the unit, we have to say, obviously, takbirat ihram, Allahu Akbar, we read the fatiha, and we can go down. Because you're extremely late. If you're extremely late, you don't read fatiha, and then still go and read wadduha. Are you with me? Because that's a sunnah. You get what I'm saying here? If you are extremely late, you know there's one minute left for salah, right? What do you do? You start Allahu Akbar, you read Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen up until the end of Fatiha and you read quickly. You don't abuse Fatiha, you don't skip, you read it properly but quickly. amin, And you go down Allahu Akbar. You basically just fulfill the fard of the salah because what's the most important thing? Most important is that you Achieve the salah in its time. You catch the waqt in its time. So for you to study, وَلَضَّالٍ آمِينٍ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ وَالتِّينِ وَالزَّيْتُونِ وَطُورِ سِينِينَ That's a sunnah. You need to catch the fard. Leave the sunnah for now. Right? <coughs> what do you do? Allahu Akbar. You in ruku, subhana rabbi al-azim. You say it once because that's fard. سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَهُ رَبَّنَا وَلَكَ الْحَمْدُ Allahu Akbar into sujood. Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la, Allahu Akbar. Rabbi Ghfirli, Allahu Akbar. Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la, Allahu Akbar.
then you have achieved the rak'ah. The way I just did it, that's the quickest way you can do it. You, you, you basically say the fard of each position. Subhanahu rabbi al-a'la, once fard. Second is sunnah, third is sunnah, fourth is sunnah, fifth is sunnah. Same in the ruku, subhanahu rabbi al-azim. Same in the sitting between the two sajdas. Rabbi ghfirli, once is fard. To say it twice, thrice and four times, that's a sunnah. To say the long, Rabbi ghfirli, warhamni, wajiburni, wahdini, wa that's a, a sunnah. Understand? For you, what's important is you need to catch the rak'ah. To catch the rak'ah, the shaykh is saying, you need to catch the, the two sajdas. Because that's part of one unit of prayer. After you hit the second sajda, Allahu Akbar, subhanahu rabbi al-a'la, Allahu Akbar, that's one unit of salah done. Isn't it so? That's one unit of the salah done. you got to do another two, three, and four for asr. And so forth. Uh, so he says it's not the ruku'ah. What's meant here is not just the ruku'ah. Understand? What's meant in this hadith is not just the ruku'ah because the other hadith says sajdatan and not rak'atan. Understand this? I'm quite confused. The shaykh says not just the ruku'ah. So the shaykh means you have to do the ruku'ah with the two sajdas before you get rak'ah or can you just do the two um, sorry, um, sujood or can you just do the two sujoods and you have the rak'ah? I don't understand. You have to make a ruku before sujood. No, what I'm saying is, um, for example, you come in, you must ruku. No, no, you're talking about about jama'ah. You're talking about jama'ah. We're not talking about jama'ah. That is what I understood. We are not talking about catching the ruku in jama'ah. We are talking about the rak'ah in this context of this hadith. To catch the waqt. Understand? Okay. We are not talking about catching the rak'ah in jama'ah. In jama'ah. Okay. If you want to catch a rak'ah in jama'ah, you need to catch the ruku'ah. You have to get join the imam before he makes ruku'ah. Before he makes ruku'ah. Understand? Not in the ruku'ah. If he's in the ruku'ah, you, you got it. If he's still in the ruku'ah, it means you have at least made the ruku'ah. You understand? Because if, he, if you miss the ruku'ah, how can you get the whole rak'ah? Part of the rak'ah is what? Ruku'ah. So if you only get the sajda, you've already missed the ruku'ah, you can't get that unit. You understand? You've got to catch the ruku'ah at least. And this ikhtilaf on this. Some ulama say you've got to be there before the ruku'ah and so forth. We'll get to that issue eventually. Right? But for now, you follow what you what you know. If you catch the ruku'ah, inshallah, you've got the rak'ah. That's the view of majority of the ulama. This is something different. This is catching the waqt at the end. If you're going to catch the, 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 that salah in its waqt, the least you have to do is make one unit of the salah in its time. And one unit consists of the ruku as well as the two, as well as the two sujoods or the two sajdas. And Allah knows best. What's the hikmah in the hadith mentioning subh and asr? Hadith only speaks about subh and Asr. But it applies to all of the salawat. This principle we're speaking about applies to all of the salahs, but the hadith mentions only subh and asr. Why? Because of the sun setting and sun rising issue. The other salahs, it's not that clear. You gotta wait until the sun reaches a certain point and so forth. Whereas, um, yeah, it's easy to tell. The sun is up, sun is down. 
Maghrib is in, Asr is over, and so forth. For the others, it'd be a bit difficult to explain. Do you understand? For us now, it's easy because we have a timetable that's worked out. So it's a bit easier to, to, to apply. We can know exactly at 8 o'clock the waqt is out, the new waqt is in, and so forth. And Allah knows best. From the benefits of the salah is that the waqt is caught by catching a raqah, by catching one unit of the salah. Right? Um, and the same for Jumu'ah. If you want to catch the Jumu'ah, the least you have to do is catch one unit of the Salah. You have to make one unit of the Salah uh, with the Imam. You catch one unit, you got the salah, then you have to make the other one up. You make Jumu'ah. Oh. So it's important is that you catch the, the unit, and as we explain what the unit is. Yeah. Like for example, last week, there's a very important question Continue with work. Yeah, so what I mean is, so instead when he says salam, I stand up and I make two extra salah. No, no. If you say you can't make salah behind him, then you can't add on to the salah. So what you should do is, if you made with him, then you can make, then you have to make dhuhr afterwards as well. Separately. Oh, separately. Hmm. Okay. But um, what you did was basically you walked out instead of making salah behind someone that you believe your salah won't be accepted behind. So instead you rather walk out. If you make salah behind somebody and they come to you and say, look, that person is actually upon shirk and kufr, you can make the word out of caution if you feel, and so forth. Um, on this issue, some other issues may come up. Some other issues may come up. For example, a woman who has a hayl. She has a, a hayl. And she becomes pure. She becomes pure. When? Just before the next waqt. So let's say it's Asr time and just her head ends five minutes before Maghrib. Five minutes before Maghrib. Does she have to make Asr? Yes. Yes. Why? Because there was enough time for her to make at least one raka'ah in that five minutes. So even though she'll have to take a ghusl, by the time it's Maghrib, by the time she's done, uh, the waqt of Asr will be gone. We say you should still make your Asr. There'll be no sin upon her, obviously, but you still make the Asr because you became pure in the in, at the end of the waqt. What if she becomes pure one minute before the time? Or 30 seconds before the time? 
Can't you make a rakah in 30 seconds? No. No. Then it doesn't apply. Because it's impossible for her to have made a rakah. It's difficult. You, you. Yes. Right in order. Hmm? She can have the intention of Asr. Now the Imam makes Maghrib. After the third, she stands up. Okay, so the same with a child. If a child becomes balig five minutes before the next waqt, he needs to make that waqt. He needs to take a husn and make that waqt and so forth. If there's not enough time for one raka'ah, they do not have to make that, that waqt. Which is impossible for them to actually catch the, the salah. Right? And the same with a woman, she gets her hayd. She gets her hayd. Two minutes after the waqt has begun. So let's say Asr starts at 4 o'clock. Two minutes past 4, she gets a hayd. Must she still make that salah? What is that? She has to, do, she has to make it up after her hayd. But the point is, she could have made it because she was able to fill a raka'ah in that time. So therefore, when she becomes pure, she must remember, I need to still make that asr. And then make the asr. And Allah knows best. Um, another issue on the hayd is that if a woman catches one raka'ah of asr, does she have to make dhuhr? So let's say you become pure in the waqt of asr, you have to make asr. Do you have to make dhuhr as well? If you become pure in the waqt of isha, do you have to make maghrib as well? This is a matter of dispute between the scholars. Some ulama say that because you are able to make jam between those waqts, because you are able to make dhuhr and asr together, right? And you become pure in asr, you have to make dhuhr and asr together like you make jam. Understand this? Other ulama say you only, there's no proof for that basically. The Quran doesn't say that you have to do that, nor the sunnah, and therefore this is the view of Ibn Uthaymin as well. He says if you become Pure in Asr, you make Asr only. You don't worry about Dhuhr. The Dhuhr is gone. You had your Hayd during Dhuhr, so it's gone. Understand this? So I think this is the view of Sheikh bin Baz. Sheikh bin Baz, rahimahullah, was of the view that if you become pure in Asr, you have to make Dhuhr and Asr together. Because 
like a musafir, you can join those two worlds. Understand? So you can join four four, right? But Ibn Uthaymin differs with him and he says, no, there's no actual dalil for that. If this was an obligation, Quran would have been clear about it and the Sunnah would have been clear about it. And I believe that I also lean towards that view that there's no clear-cut proof for that. So if you become pure in Dhur, you make Dhur only. If you become pure in Asr, you make in Asr only and so forth and Allah knows best. Right? Important point that Sheikh mentions at the end of the hadith is that as we explained, if you catch that one rakah before the time ends, you've achieved the whole salah. So even if you made one rakah of asr and then the sun sets, it's as if you made the whole asr on time. Even though you're making the three rakahat late. But it's as if you have made the whole rakah in its time. But this is out of the mercy and the grace of Allah. This doesn't mean that it's okay to delay the salah to that point. This doesn't mean that we're saying it's okay, just make salah two minutes before the time, it's fine. This is for the person who, he was busy, he woke up, he was slept, and so forth. It was impossible for him, I understand. This is what Allah has given, he's given you till that point. But this doesn't mean that to be saying what? It's okay, delay to the salah right until the end. As long as you catch one rakah, it's okay. This is not the point of the hadith, right? This is an important point to understand. This is not the point of the hadith. That was as we spoke about previously. Allah speaks about those who spoke about that ayah, correct? We spoke about that ayah. Those people, Allah dispraised them because they were negligent about the salah, lazy. They make salah right at the end. Right at the waqt. They don't give it it importance and so forth. So this is definitely not what's meant by the hadith. Right? It means the virtue of Allah is such that He allows that but this doesn't mean that you purposefully delay the salah like this. Um, then Ibn Hajar, he brings another hadith in Sahih Muslim from Aisha radiallahu anha. Similar hadith. Same hadith she narrates, but وَقَالَ سَجْدَةً بَدَلَ رَكْعَةً ثُمَّ قَالَ وَالسَّجْدَةُ إِنَّمَا هِيَ الرَّكْعَةُ Here's the proof for why Ibn Uthaymin says a rak'ah is what? Including the two sajdas. Because the hadith in Sahih Muslim, it says huh? sajda instead of rak'ah. The hadith says whoever catches a sajda of subh has caught the, before the sun sets, has caught the whole of subh. Whoever catches a sajda of asr before the sun sets, that's a sunset for fajr, before the sun rises for fajr, before the sun sets for asr, he has achieved the whole of, of asr. Understand? So the hadith explains the other hadith. Which means raka'ah there means the whole unit, including the, the sajdas. And at the end of the hadith, the Prophet said, وَالسَّجْدَةُ إِنَّمَا هِيَ الرَّكْعَةِ The sajda is truly the, the raka'ah. The sajda is truly the, the raka'ah. This hadith is in Sahih Muslim. So that's why we said that the raka'ah is not the ruku'ah. The raka'ah in this case is the, is the sajda and Allah knows best. Any questions on this? I think we got about two or three hadith, right? Until we will stop. The next hadith is Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu anhu. He said, Sami'tu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yaqul, 
Abu Sa'id says, I heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi saying, La salata ba'da subhi hatta tatlu'a shamsu wa la salata ba'da al-asri hatta taghiba shamsu muttafaqun alayh wa lafzu muslimin la salata ba'da salat al-fajri. This hadith and the hadith that comes next, they speak about awqatun nahi. The times where salah is prohibited. There are times during the day where it is forbidden and prohibited to make salah. This hadith and the following hadith we will discuss speaks about those times of the day when it is prohibited to make salah. Awqatun nahi. Right, the forbidden times of salah. So here the hadith says, La salata ba'da subhi. He says, there is no salah after subh. After salatu subh. Hatta tatlu'a shams. Until the sun rises. There is no salah after subh salah until the sun rises. Okay, so that's clear. So once you've made subh salah, from that time until the, the time of sunrise, it is forbidden to make salah. Understand this? Now there's an issue Ibn Uthaymin brings up here, which is, is it permissible for you to make sunnah salahs between the Adhan and the Iqamah of Fajr. Between the Adhan and the Iqamah of Fajr. Is it permissible to make Sunnah Salah in that time? So what is the actual Sunnah? Two Raka'at of Sunnah, right? What's the virtue of that Sunnah Salah? Better than the world and everything it contains. The two rak'at before, before Fajr. Right? Now some ulama of the opinion that if you make the two rak'at of Fajr, you're not allowed to make any other salah in that time period until you make the fard. So you're only allowed to make the two and then the, the fard and then no salah until sunrise. Understand this? Because there's a hadith that speaks about that. Um... Although Ibn Uthaymin doesn't agree with the hadith, he says that this is a misunderstanding of the hadith. Um, although the sunnah in this case is after the adhan, is to make two rak'at and then to wait for the iqamah and then to make the fajr. Right? That's the established sunnah. Over here he says, if somebody wants to make, we won't stop them from making. Because there's no clear-cut proof to say you can't make salah in that time. Understand this? So you make the two for Fajr, somebody stands up and makes another two, another two, until the Imam starts. Right? He says we won't stop this man from doing this, because there is no proof to say you are not allowed to make salah in that time. Are you with me? Other ulama say it's not allowed to make salah in that time, because it's against the sunnah. Right, there was a man one day who made salah in this time. 
in the time of the Tabi'een. Asa'id ibn al-Musayyib, rahimahullah, was one of the great scholars of the Tabi'een. He said to the man, why are you making salah? Why are you making sunnah salahs? You made it two for fajr, you continue to make more. So the man said to him, well, are you telling me that I will be punished for salah? I'm making sunnahs. How can I be punished for making? Why are you stopping me? How can I be punished for making salah? And so what did, the, what did Abu Sa'id say to him? Or rather Sa'id al-Khudri said to him, Sa'id ibn Musayib sorry, said to him, you will not be punished for making salah ever. But you will be punished for going against the sunnah. What you are doing is not part of the sunnah. The sunnah is to make the two and wait for the, wait for the salah. And this just shows how strict some of the classical imams were. And you are doing something against the sunnah, even though you feel it's good, it's not actually good. You just follow the sunnah, that's all of goodness. Right? Um, and Sheikh Albani says that this narration is like a thorn in the throats of the people of Bid'ah. Because when we refute them for the dhikrs, and for all of the gatherings, they say to us, you don't like dhikr. You don't make salawat. You don't do this. Hmm? What we are saying is what Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib said. You are not doing it the way you're supposed to be doing it. <coughs> you're not making dhikr the way you're supposed to make dhikr. You're not making salawat the way you're supposed to make salawat. What you are doing is against the sunnah. And that's what Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib said to this man who was making more and more raka'at. This is understood. So the Sheikh Albani uses this and he says, this is a, a great silah, this is like an unsheathed sword against the people of innovation. Because everybody agrees on the status of who? This Imam, Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib. Nobody can doubt him. He was of the most knowledgeable of the tabi'een, rahimahumullah. So what we say is, make your two and wait for the adhan. In fact, the hadith says the dua between the adhan and the qama is, Never rejected. So the best thing is make the two for fajr and if you're in the masjid and you're waiting for the salah, make dua in that time. Raise your hands and make dua. That's a time when the duas are mustajab. Tayyib. So the Prophet he made two raka'ah that were very khafifatayn. Very light. It wasn't long. Two short raka'ah. Meaning, what did he decide? Generally, he would decide, Qul yayu al-kafirun and second raka'ah, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٍ In the two raka'ah before, um, before Fajr. طيب. So you enter the masjid, the adhan is gone. What do you do? You make the, the adhan is gone. You make the sunnah. You, so you make one, two sunnahs or two, two niyas. Right? On this issue, Ibn Uthaymi says there are four possibilities. Either you come in and you make two raka'at, which is tahiyatul masjid. But then you don't get the reward for the, the two before fajr. Understand? Because your niyyah was what? Tahiyatul masjid. Or you come in and your niyyah is the two before fajr. In that case, you don't get necessarily the reward of tahiyatul masjid. Right? Even though you, yani you, you are fulfilling the command of the Prophet which says, Whenever you enter the masjid, don't sit down until you've prayed two raka'at. But specifically tahiyatul masjid, you won't get that reward. Right? The third case is that you pray two by two. Two for tahiyatul masjid and then two for 
two for fajr. No, two by two. Two rakaat for tahiyatul masjid, and then two rakaat for salatul fajr, before salatul fajr. This is permissible, but you may run out of time. You may run out of time, and the imam may start, and you're still busy with your salah. The fourth possibility is, as you mentioned, you pray the two rakaat with the intention, a dual intention. This is my tahiyatul masjid, and this is also my two before fajr, and Allah knows best. All of those are permissible. Right? Obviously, the best two is the two, the last two we mentioned, because you get the, the reward of both. Right? I would obviously recommend you do it in one go, because if you do it two by two, you might run out of time, and the fajr may start, and Allah knows best. Um, طيب. What are we speaking about? The times where salah is forbidden. So you make your fajr salah now, fard. As soon as the salah is done, from that moment until when? The sun has reached the length of a spear. The sun has reached the length of a spear. Right? It was in another hadith of, of uh, Ibn Umar and of Uqba in Sahih Muslim. The Prophet he mentioned that this is not permissible. This time is not permissible is إِلَىٰ أَن تَرْتَفِعِ الشَّمْسِ قِيَدِ الرُّمْحِ until the sun is risen by the length of a spear, by the amount of one spear. That height, the sun must be up by that height. Right? Once it reaches that height, then it becomes permissible to make salah once again. It's understood. So once sunrise starts, oh sorry, from after salah to subh, if done, right up until the sun goes up, until it reaches that height where it is at the height of the of a spear. So how do you work it out? What is the height of a spear? Right, a height of a spear is approximately one meter. Some of them say one and a half, some of them say two. So you can say between one and one one and two meters, right? How do you work it out? Firstly, you need to have a clear view of the sun. Right? You can't be buildings and things in front of you. You have to have a clear view of the sun. So what you do is you need to put the spear in front of you by about an arm's length. So you put it down, you stand about one arm's length away, and you look from the top of the spear, the head of the spear. Right? And as you're looking at that, at the sun, once the sun touches the head of the spear, that is now the... This is now the end of sunrise. Or the sun has now risen. You can now make salah again. Is this understood? You put the spear down in the ground and from one arm's length away you can look at the head of the spear in the direction of the sun. Once the top of the sun hits there, it has now reached that point where the time for, for the nahi of salah, the top. The sun is obviously up. You are looking at it like this. Yeah. So that part on top of it. Yes. Must reach the top of the spear, not the bottom part. Okay, I thought the bottom part. I think it also depends on the height of the spear. If your spear is one meter, right? If your spear is two meters, you're looking upwards. Do you understand? You'll be looking upwards. So the sun will reach a higher point. If the spear is one meter, you're looking downwards. 
You know what I'm saying? So you guys are actually going down. You're looking at the top of the spear. You guys are going down. The sun will be at a lower level than if you're looking at the, a spear that's two meters high. If you say the top of the spear, right? Let me just think what I'm saying here. Um, so what do we put the spear in the ground? So what, what's going to happen, Sheikh? You simply want to put the spear in the ground. And as it's, uh, we look at the water, as it's going to run it. Right? And literally the top. So the bottom section of the sun is not going to be out as well. But like I said, it depends on the height of the spear. If the spear is high like this, you are looking upwards. So you are looking at a higher point in the sky. Mm. Then looking at the, at the water, you're not looking at the length of the height of water. Mm. You understand? So, if this is the water, you're looking at about something like this. The sun's got to touch something about that point there before the sun has risen. So, it must be out the height of the sphere. I'm just thinking now, if you say the top of the sphere, the whole sun won't be out. Right? So when you say the uh, height of the sphere, that means that much out of the water. From where you're standing, right? Where you're standing. That's it's about a meter. You're looking about a meter. Yeah. In, 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 not even a meter. From, from where we're standing, it's, it's a small amount. Yeah. Right? Uh, perhaps the bottom of the sphere makes more sense, yes. Allah alam. Yes, study the bottom of the sun, not the, not the spear. After sunrise, right? Yes, this is after sunrise. So after the sun has risen, right? You give it another 10 to 15 minutes. Then it's got to rise to the height of the spear. This yeah, is... The bottom of the sun. The bottom of the sun, yes. Because you calculate this time from after sunrise. You understand? Not from the time of Fajr. Because once the sun is up, Fajr is over. Right? Then you got to give the time sun, then you got to give, give, the, give the sun time to rise. During this period, it's still forbidden to, to make salah. Correct? During this period, it's still forbidden to, to make salah up until the sun has risen. By the length of a, by the length of a spear. So the length of the spear, you put the spear at the ground, that means the bottom of the top will be in line with the spear. It depends on the height of the spear for me. Look at this, you know, because the thing is, where you stand, this is the sun. That's how the sun looks, it's like small. Like a Correct. Like a but picture the spear right in front of you and it's two meters big. Yeah, you are looking above the sun. Even though the sun is up above the horizon, uh-huh. it's right the sun is right in front of you. Right? If you if the sun rises and you look at the sun, where is the sun? You don't look up, you're looking straight. Correct? You're looking dead straight. The sun is already above the horizon, but where are you looking? If you were to look at the sun, where are you looking? You're looking? At the spear. 
Now, which direction is the sun? Is it up or straight? It's straight. Right? Now put the spear in front of you. That's taller than you. So the head of the spear is where? The head of the spear is? You gotta look where? You gotta raise your gaze now. So as that sun is now coming up, coming up, coming up, and now it's the top of the spear. So it is the top of the sun and not the bottom. Is what I'm saying making sense? If you think of it from an angle point of view, once sun rise, once the sun has risen, it's now just it's like an eyeline level. The spear is right in front of you, and the spear is above you. You gotta look up to look at the the head of the spear, top of the spear. So you are waiting for the sun to rise until it touches that point. What's gonna touch that point first? The top. the top of the sun. Once it touches that point, the time was now over and you will look, then you will see below the sun and the horizon, there's that gap you're talking about. Understand? So this is why I said it's the top of the sun and not the... Not the if you wait to the bottom, it's going to be high up already. That takes long to happen for the bottom to get there. That's why we say sunrise, this period is about how long? 10 minutes. 10 minutes with the sun to touch that, that, that point of the spear. Understand? So it takes about 10 minutes. 10 minutes after sunrise, the sun is only up by this much. Am I right? Small amount. If you look at the sun in the horizon, 10 minutes after the sun has just risen, it's only up by that much. And therefore, I said it's the, the top of the sun. But if you have a spear that's very small, it's not going to work. It needs to be a proper spear. Like in those days, they had massive spears. You imagine in, in a battle, you can't have a short spear. You've got to throw that thing like a massive javelin type of thing that you're throwing. So it's long. Right? That's why some ulama said it's up to two meters long. None of us are two meters tall. Right? Are you two meters tall? Right? So even if you're, you're a big guy, even you are looking upwards to look to the top of the spear. Because the spear, as I said, is an arm's length away. It's right in front of you. To look at the top, you've got to look up. Your, your gaze is aiming up. And for the sun to get there, once the top reaches there, it is now risen. And the time was now halal for you to make salah. Is that clear? We agree on this point now. Inshallah. We can maybe experiment one day and see. Um, where did we stop? وَلَا صَلَاةَ بَعْدَ الْعَصْرِ And the same, the next time, so the first time period for haram is when? After Fajr, you've made salah, up until this point that the sun reaches. No salah is allowed in that time, is what the hadith says. Secondly, there is no salah after, which time? صَلَاةُ Asr. So once you make Asr, there is no salah after that until حَتَّى تَغِيبَ الشَّمْسِ Until the sun sets. Until the, the sun sets. Understand? So the time, second period which is not permissible is from after Asr until Maghrib. From after Asr until until Maghrib. We're going to get there. What's the hikmah in this? Why is it these two periods are, are, are haram to make salah? The sun worshippers, right? The mushrikeen used to come out and make sajda to the sun when it came up and when it went down. Right? Um, the Prophet mentioned that the sun 
it rises and it sits between the two horns of shaitan. So the table worshippers used to come out, make sajda at the time of sunrise and the time of sunset. So to be different to them, to say this is not the time necessarily for, 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 for random worship. Right? Random um, worship. Are there any exceptions to this? Right? Okay, before we get to the exceptions, what does it mean when we say no, there's no salah? There's no salah in that time. The hadith says there's no salah after subh until the sun rises. And there's no salah after asr until maghrib. There is no, no, this word la salata. I think we explained this some time back. What does it mean when, it, when, when, the, when the Prophet says something like this? It's a negation of salah. Is the negation of the, the, the validity of the salah? Is the negation of the perfection of the salah? Or is the negation of the existence of the salah? It can't be existence. Because you can make salah so it exists. Right? It's either perfection of the salah or, or the validity of the salah. If you say validity of the salah, it means your salah is invalid in that time. And it's haram for you to make salah in that time. If you say perfection of the salah, it means your salah is valid and accepted. You get rewarded, but it's not perfect. It's proper. There's a shortcomings to it. Understand the difference? The same like the hadith, لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يحب ما يحب لنفسي. None of you truly believes until he loves his brother what he loves himself. Does that mean when it says there's no, you do not believe, does it mean there's no iman? Existence? Does it mean that? Does it mean no perfection of iman? Or does it mean no validity of iman? In this case, we said it means no perfection of iman. Right? So you don't truly believe. لا يؤمنوا. In this case, it is لا salata. There's no salah. So what we say in this case is, it is not valid. There is no valid salah in these times. There is no valid salah in these prohibited times and Allah knows best. Are there any exceptions to this rule? The far salah. Right? Except for fajr. Okay. The Prophet said, Man nama'an salatin aw nasiha fal yusalliha idha dhakaraha. Whoever oversleeps for a salah or forgets to make a salah, then let him make the salah as soon as he remembers. Or as soon as he wakes up. What do we get from this? The moment you wake up, you need to make salah. There's no restriction. The moment you remember, hey, I didn't make salah, you got to make salah now. If you oversleep, the moment you get up, I oversleep, go make salah. Whether you wake up in a zawal, whether you wake up after asr, whether you wake up during sunrise, there's no restriction. The fard salah is an exception here. Right? It's an exception which means you need to make it as soon as you can. Yani as soon as you remember. Or as soon as you wake up. Understand this? <coughs> Another example is somebody makes Isha. Right? The next morning he wakes up with Fajr. And as he's, he made Fajr and as he's sitting on the Musalla, he realizes, you know what? When I made Isha last night, I didn't have wudu. I didn't have wudu. He needs to now repeat Isha. He makes it immediately, even though it's after Fajr, which we, is the time we're not supposed to make Salah. He can make it in that time, no problem. Right? So the first is the Fard, and secondly is the I'adat to Salah, which means the, the repeating of Salah. The repeating of Salah, like the issue of the Isha in this case. You need to repeat the Salah. 
You can repeat it even in the time where it's supposed to be forbidden. In this case, if you're excused, you make the salah when you have to make the salah. Understand? Another example of this is um, the Prophet ﷺ, he made salah to subh in Masjid al-Khayf. Where is Masjid al-Khayf? Mina. He made salah to fajr in the, in the Masjid. And he saw two men that didn't pray with him. He noticed two men that didn't make salah with him. So they said to, he said to them, what prevented you from making salah with us? They said, Ya Rasulullah, we made salah in a tent. We already made salah on time. We came here, you guys were making salah, so we sat. You understand? So the Prophet said to him, if you made salah in your tents, and then you come to the masjid with this jama'ah, make salah with them. فَإِنَّهَا لَكُمَا نَافِلَةً You will get the reward of a nafila. It's like a voluntary salah for you. Right? But this is after subah. So it proves that you need to join the jama'ah in that case, even though it's after fajr, it was permissible. Right? So to repeat a salah is permissible in, even in the prohibited time. Even in the prohibited time. And in this is also because the person wanted unity. Don't split the rhythm of jama'ah. Join the jama'ah and make with them again, even if you made the salah already, make it again, no problem. Mu'adh ibn Jabal used to make with the, with the Prophet then go back to his area and go make in his masjid again. The same salah and so forth. And I think he used to be the imam and the others would follow him in the salah. Um, another example, he says, uh, an exception would be if you are a traveler and you make dhuar and asr together. So dhuar time you bring asr, you make two for door, two for asr. Let's not use an example of a traveler. Traveler doesn't make sunnahs. Let's use a person who is sick, right? Um, and he makes jam'ah. So he makes door, then asr, in the time of door. He can still make the sunnahs after that for door, even though it's after the asr salah. Even though it's after the asr salah. Right? Another example would be the two rakat of tawaf. Two rakat of tawaf. You make tawaf after fajr, you're done, it's still time for sunrise. You can make the two rakat, no problem. You make tawaf after asr, it's not yet maghrib, you can make the two rakat, no problem. The two behind the maqam, yes. Right? Another example is the sunnah of wudu. You know, whenever you take wudu, it's a sunnah to make two rakat after the wudu. Right? This was what Pilar or Ya'na used to do. Prophet praised him for this, he gets Jannah for this, and so forth. Right? In another hadith, he says, whoever takes the wudu, the same the way the Prophet took, took wudu, and then he prays two raka'at, without breaking his wudu, then his sins will be forgiven. So even if that means it's in the time of nahi, waqt nahi an, it's still permissible. Another example would be tahiyatun masjid. Tahiyatun masjid is also permissible, in the time when it's prohibited. So you come to the masjid after Asr. Right? You're waiting for Maghrib, you can pray Tahiyatul Masjid even though it's in the time when it's forbidden to make Salah. Another example is Istikhara. Istikhara. You decide, I need to make a decision. Now. No time to wait. You pray Istikhara at that moment, no problem, even if it's a time when it is forbidden to pray. Right? So where does these exceptions come from? Any salah that has a need for it, or a specific reason for praying, then it's permissible. Right? Any salah where there's a specific reason that you are praying, 
is permissible to pray in that time. So it's not just a normal voluntary, I'm just going to make two rak'at for the sake of Allah. No, there's a need, it's masjid, it's istikhara, after tawaf, it's after wudu, I have to repeat the salah, I have to do it now, I, I overstepped, I have to make salah now, for the fard, and so forth. There's a reason why you are making, a specific reason why you are making salah. So for this reason we say, it's permissible even if the time when it is prohibited to make salah. That's the view of Ibn Taymiyyah and Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullah and other ulama, Ibn Baz, Ibn al-Si'idi, Ibn Uthaymin and others. Right? One of the proofs they also use is, the Prophet said, لا تحروا الصلاة Don't seek salah in this time. Which means, don't pray يعني, with a specific intention to pray in this time. You are praying for it. Specific reason, different reason. But don't come and pray in this time for no reason. Understand this? Likewise, why did we say, what's the hikmah? Why is it haram to pray in this time? Because of the mushrikeen. But if you are praying for a different reason, you are praying specifically, why? It's istikhara, it's after wudu, it's after tawaf, it's a fard, it's repeating. Is this like the mushrikeen? Your reason is completely different. So we say, it's nothing like the mushrikeen. So therefore, it's permissible to pray in this time, and Allah knows best for a specific reason. But just to make normal ibadah in this time, for no reason, we say then you should stay away from that, and Allah knows best. From the benefits of the hadith is also, how the sharia keeps us away from shirk, and anything that could lead to shirk. Such that even in this case, our intention is not to be like the mushrikeen, but just to be different to them. This is how strict the sharia is, on the issue of shirk and keeping away from anything that might possibly somehow lead to shirk. Right? A third benefit here is that this prohibition is attached to what? To the salah and not to the waqt. It's attached to the salah and not to the waqt. Which means after the salah of subh and after the salah of asr. Not the waqt of asr and not the waqt of subh. Do you understand the difference? It's only after you made subh in its time until the end of that time. But before that, that doesn't apply. It doesn't mean, this asr is from 4 o'clock to 7 o'clock. The time for prohibition only starts after you made salah. Now from your salah until 7 o'clock is prohibited. Understand this? After you've made salah until the, the end of the time is prohibited and not necessarily the entire time. It's regarding your salah until the end of the time, and Allah knows best. <clears throat> the last hadith, I mean, do the hadith because it's attached to the first hadith, is from Uqba ibn Amir radiallahu anhu. He said, "Thalathu sa'atin kana Rasulullah yanhana an nusalliya fihin wa an nakbara fihin mautana." He said there are three times during the day that Rasulullah prohibited us from. Praying in. Your three times during the day we haram for us to make salah. And to bury our dead during those times. This is the same what we explained. When the sun rises clearly. Right? This is what we explained about the spear. That up until that time is not permissible from after Fajr until that time. Right? The second time is when the sun reaches the zawal, meridian, before duhr, when it reaches that time, this is also 
not permissible hatta tazula shams until it's past that period until it's past that period of zawal with the, with the, with the when it's at its meridian right how long is this it's about 10 minutes approximately 10 minutes at that point it's not permissible also to make salah right again nowadays we got the calendar to tell you zawal is on this time it lasts for 10 minutes lasts for 15 minutes right to pray in that time any normal salah we say no if there's a specific reason you're praying that you get you came to masjid at that time so you make that to masjid in that time no problem and when the sun leans towards the setting point this is the other time that we spoke about but this hadith adds a little benefit it says leans towards the the setting which means that that time is haram until just before sunset it's haram just before sunset so the same like we did with the sun we do uh, with, with the spear we do with the, with the sun setting as well so the setting of the sun is haram until the bottom of the sun reaches the, the top of the spear understand as it's now sitting the bottom of the sun is the top of the spear until that point of time it is what haram to pray any nafal salah but the rest of the time it is permissible Allah knows best to be safe I would say just wait until sunset and Allah knows best likewise so what do we get now from these two hadith there are three times where it is prohibited to make salah there are three times during the day when it is what prohibited to make salah the first time is from after you prayed subuh until the sun has risen by the length of a spear the second time is zawal when the sun reaches that point and it goes past the zawal which means about 10 minutes right and thirdly after your asr until sunset by one spear's length right that is the time or oh, some ulama said until maghrib Allah knows best the safest thing is to not make because are you going to go judge is it the spear's length and there's no need to make nafil at that point no one you know a general nafil I'm just going to make two rakats for the sake of Allah you know with the whole day to do that the whole night to do that um, but if you want to be technical about it you can go and check you know or can be worked out if it's worked out inshallah that's permissible Allah knows best but the hadith also adds that it's also not permissible to to bury in that time to bury your mawtakum or mawtana our, our dead bodies is not allowed to uh, bury in that time after you made the asr until maghrib so that's what it says even what Ayman says here what's the hikmah in it he says he's not sure of the hikmah he says it hasn't become clear to me what the hikmah is in this ruling but what's important is the ruling we don't follow the hikmah we follow the ruling the Prophet said so so we accept it now, even though we may not and I understand why, but we accept the ruling. Allah Alam. Seems to be the case, yes. Um, 
Allah alam. Um, zawal would be clear. Zawal, don't be clear. Is it? This is why. Right? Um, most likely it applies to the people doing the job. But Allah knows best, I won't, I won't say. Because as we said, the ruling is attached to the salah of the person and not the waqt of the person, right? To be on the safe side, avoid that period of time. Avoid that period of time and bury after those periods and not within those periods and Allah knows best. Uh, benefits of the hadith, not permissible to pray in these three times and also to bury in those three times. If there's a darura, the necessity, there's no other time but that time, huh? then you can do it. Right? There's no other way we have to do it. There's a storm coming. There's a storm coming in five minutes, ten minutes before Maghrib. You have to bury now, bury now. Something different. That's a necessity, there's a reason for it. That's something that's, that's different. Right? Maybe they never knew the hadith. Um, right, so any other time would be permissible to bury. Any other time. What about at night? Yeah. Permissible to bury at night. Even though there's a hadith, the person discouraged it. Discouraged burying at night. Why? Because at that time, again, it was difficult to bury at night. It was difficult because to do the hustle, to do the kafa, and do the burying at night with no lights, with no... It was difficult. Do you understand? Whereas nowadays it's easy. You can get everything you need. You get the kafan, you get the hustle done. Everything can be done quick, quick. Through the night it can be done. No problem. But that back then, it was difficult for the Sahaba to do it. And therefore they didn't prefer doing it because it was difficult and, and, and not uh, practical. And therefore he basically uh, mentioned that it's not preferred. But for us, no problem inshallah. Um, the end of the hadith is another narration in by Ash-Shafi'i. He says, "والحكم الثاني من حديث أبي ريرة بسند ضعيف وزاد إلا يوم الجمعة." That the issue of zawal is excused on the day of Jumu'ah. On the day of Jumu'ah, it's excused. This is according to a weak hadith. Right? وكذلك أبي داود عن أبي قتال النحو the same as that by Abu Dawood and so forth. Right? So the issue is. Um, On Jumu'ah, there's no prohibition. On Jumu'ah, there's no prohibition. This is according to one view. But this is based on a weak hadith. Based on a weak hadith. Other ulama still had this view because they said the Sahaba used to make salah continuously on a Friday. What the Sahaba would do is they would come to the masjid early. And they would make sunnahs until the imam would come. Understand? Until the imam would come. Um, but Ibn Uthaymin says he doesn't agree with the view. He says no. We stick to the general principle, the hadith is weak. Um, and it's, we don't know if they, to, if they prayed through Zawal. Does not mention that they prayed through Zawal. Allah knows best. Right? To, again, to be on the safe side, if you know it's Zawal, don't make Nafal Salah. Masjid, that's fine. As we said, there's a specific reason for that. 
There's a specific reason for that. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Is there any questions? طيب until next week إن شاء الله صلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك